Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Wesker demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris. And I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. Wesley Gump. And today we're discussing a movie from 1994. 1994. You know it. This is how old you are. Forrest Gump. Coming up on 30 years. I went to see Forrest Gump in the theater with friends from my youth group. And we walked out being like, that was like the best movie we'd ever seen. (laughs) It's just so good and, and wholesome. And then I watched it and I was like, this thing is violent. And like every right? 20 minutes, some politician gets shot. Yep. And it's graphic and it's disturbing and it's not wholesome. I mean, how many kids, obviously, it's almost regarded as a kid's movie, except Jenny does like rails of coke in the disco or whatever. There's a lot of really heavy adult stuff that is dealt with and dismissed in a very G-rated way. I have to say that it wasn't until this viewing. <laughs> I can't even talk about it. It's so awkward. <sighs> and I don't even know how to talk about it. And I'm talking about it with my brother, so it makes it extra weird. Uh, I never realized that he ejaculated. Yeah, I didn't realize that until a couple of years ago myself. When she has him touch her boob in the dorm room. I thought he just got a boner and was embarrassed. Me too. But yeah, we're a little bit older now. Spon... <laughs> spontaneous orgasm and suicide and drug use and and physical near abuse suicide and yeah near suicide suggested pedophilia and incest i mean come on there's got there's definitely a world right where uh like love actually where they just take out the martin freeman storyline altogether and the movie's still intact there's definitely a world <laughs> where he just talks about jenna but she only bookends the movie because they take out all the horrible stuff in the middle in like a tv edit or something oh, and she's man. just not present so that moment was not not entirely revelatory this time but certainly recently but i'll tell you what was revelatory for me this time uh-oh what are the two standing orders in Lieutenant Dan's army? 
I think keep your head down and take care of your feet. Yeah, try not to do anything stupid like get yourself killed, which of course is what Lieutenant Dan did. But he said, <laughs> he said, take good care of your feet. Every time you stop, change your socks, which seems a little bit excessive. Like how many pairs of socks can you carry? And also how often do you stop? So the conflict, of course, takes uh, in Vietnam, at least where they are, takes place in the Mekong Delta. And will eat a grunt's feet right off his legs, right? <laughs> and uh, and until this viewing, my 17-year-old brain, when I first saw this movie, thought he said meat Kong. Like there's a special <laughs> class of Viet Cong who's like cannibal meat eaters. And when you're not looking, they'll sneak up and eat your feet. <laughs> I was like, man, the Vietnamese, they're ruthless, man. Wow. Yeah, there's there's Meat Kong out there. And, and it's cannibal warfare. Seriously? And I know that the Meat Kong Delta exists, but as a kid, it was definitely the Meat Kong. The Meat Kong. I mean, that's tame compared to the stuff that dad would talk about with regards to the Vietnam War. Our dad being a conscientious dissenter avoided the draft and had all kinds of things to say about the war because he was a hippie. But also, I think he really didn't want to go to Vietnam because he was afraid that he would be mistaken as a VC. I mean, it's not taken out like accidentally because he's. Yeah. He tells the story of the one wild time he drove down from Chicago to Florida to go to spring break. And he stopped and he was in like a green jacket in some diner. And the lady was like, you Viet Cong boy. Can't you hear dad and he doing was like, that voice? Of course. And he was like a fear for his life. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the same thing with uh, how bad is it that a lot of intern internees at the uh, concentration camps, Japanese soldiers went out to fight on the U.S. side in World War II. So ironic. against Japan in the Pacific theater. Like, OK. Right. And they and, and I'm sure endured plenty of discrimination along the way. Crazy time. I mean. Forrest Gump doesn't, isn't exactly a patriot, but he does find himself in the army, along with a lot of other things that he finds himself tangled up in. And Forrest Gump could easily be a political movie, and he could be upheld as a Southern hero, except for the fact that he's dumb and totally innocent. And named after a Klansman. Right, but that's to speak of the mistakes that were made and to never forget those kinds of things. I saw one thing in doing a little bit of, bit of research that Forrest is American history, like his growing up in the idyllic post-war 50s and, you know, prosperous times and everything, and then kind of getting darker in the 60s and more confusing and, and Vietnam War and, and all the political, you know, unrest and stuff. And then, uh, you know, as he transitions into his older age, he goes through the decades and his Evolution mirrors the uh, the American, you know, cultural experience for those decades. Interesting. Like he's the personification of a cultural of cultural change. Right. He's just the person existing and going through and seeing how these things affect his life. And conversely, how he seems to be affecting America's life. Do you think Forrest Gump is the Reaper? The Reaper? He's like he's like the Reaper's dumb son. <laughs> he just stumbles through history and everybody who touches dies. 
He's like, oh, I met a nice young man, Elvis Presley. He had himself a heart attack or something. And then nice young man, somebody shot him and shot his brother. And he meets everybody he meets, including Jenny, <laughs> dies. And I think that the people who survive are the people of good uh. moral character or the people who, who could use a shot at redemption. Like Forrest Lieutenant Dan seems Dan. to be a bad guy, but he's not. He's a good guy. And so he only gets his legs blown off. Oh, so he he only suffers like mutilation and being crippled. So basically what you're saying is all those poor bus riders, bus passengers, they're in for it. Yep. So when Lieutenant Dan says, I never thanked you for saving my life when you were a kid and he swings his legs over the thing and hops into the water, did you think he was committing suicide? No. No, you could Really? <laughs> I never? mean <laughs> I mean, maybe at the end. That's the reason he says it first before he hops off to like let him know that he's in a good headspace at the very end when he's like swimming into heaven and into like infinity (laughs) infinite water at that point i was like he's coming back right (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know if he was just gonna backstroke you know into like what was that shark movie open Open water Water. yeah i I don't know i didn't know if he was just gonna like backstroke into open water (laughs) (laughs) what are they gonna do go for his legs (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's messed up. Uh, Gary Sneese, wonderful performance as Lieutenant Dan. Fabulous arc. I don't think we see him after that water moment until he's on two legs with his fiance. We only hear about him. A very influential character. And uh, I'm not sure what he what he embodies or what he says about this movie. Uh, it infected his life pretty profoundly. He still heads the Lieutenant Dan Band, and he plays for troops all over the world. Based on this movie, he set up a foundation where he helps uh, injured troops, injured soldiers and veterans. Okay. Forrest Gump quiz. Okay. I'm ready. Um, you would you nothing. say would you say that you're a Forrest Gump expert? I would say that I'm the Forrest Gump expert. I'm also a Beatles scholar. Um, I once got an A plus at my UCLA course in Beatles uh, music theory or whatever, and I hold the the distinction of being the only person that the employee at Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, the restaurant, I was the only person who had ever correctly answered his ultimate trivia question, which was. Which was what are the two laid the the names of the two ladies accompanying Lieutenant Dan at the New Year's Eve party and after party? Oh, and what were their names? Their names were, and I had to sound it out phonetically. I was like, oh wait, wait, ha 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 ha, and it's cunning <laughs> Carla and long limbs Lenore, and I just got it phonetically. And it's like no one's ever gotten that. Did you get a free shrimp cocktail? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. I'm ready. <laughs> on the bus to school on the first day, Forrest meets yep. Jenny Jenny Who. Jenny Who Curran. C-U-R-R-A-N. Never spoken, but on the letters that he gets returned. What is the first question that she asks him? Are you stupid or something? <laughs> who not, else? Well, that's the fir- not the first thing that she says, but that's the first question. Bonus. Who else asks him the same question? Uh, the That it would be... Either Cunning Carla or Long Limbs Lenore. I'm going with Lenore. (laughs) Uh, All right. Forrest is discovered by a team. What is the team's name? A team? Uh Uh-huh. What What kind of team? A football team. What is the football team's name? That's the Alabama Rednecks Roll Tide. Alabama 
Birkenstocks. I have no idea. I don't know about football. <laughs> you, that's right. You really don't know about football. It was like the blind leading the blind at the Super Bowl party this past year. Yeah, University of Alabama. But that dude, the coach, is like a real famous coach. Oh, really? Yeah, but he was he, he was it. based on an actual person. But then all I saw was, dude, that's Ennis from Deuce of Hazard. All right, you were really close. Try one, just try one more time. What's the name of the team? Alabama Crimson, Alabama Tidebreakers. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I'm gonna give you this one, Wes, because the football team name is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide, like the movie. Okay. Yeah, pretty good. Forrest, okay, just a couple more. Forrest answers the drill sergeant's question of what's your sole purpose in this army with... To do whatever you tell me, drill sergeant. <laughs> and, the ser- and the sergeant tells Forrest that his answer was genius and that he must have an IQ of what? 150. Now, disassemble your weapon and continue. <laughs> Final answer? 150. 160. What is Forrest Gump's bonus question? Actual IQ. Uh, your boy's different, Mrs. Gump. So I think the public school system requires a minimum IQ of 80. And for your son, Forrest, is right here. It's like 75 or something, right? Yeah. What three platoon mates have geographical names? <laughs> There's Dallas, Tex, and Cleveland. <laughs> I don't remember where Tex was from. Uh, Forrest goes on a talk show to talk about playing ping pong in China. What's the name of that talk show? Dick Cavett. And apparently Dick Cavett, that John Lennon footage is, of course, actual footage from Dick Cavett, but he participated in his show that from you know 20 years before and was made up to look like himself in the 70s. Oh, that's cool. All right, last question. Forrest goes out for a run after he discovers Jenny is gone. How yep. long does he end up running for? What, three years Two months, 14 days, and 16 hours or something like that? You had to have looked that up. No. Uh, there's no way it was absolutely correct. It was 100% correct, and you are the Shut biggest. Shut up. Officially the biggest nerd ever. No, I, I totally guessed after three years and like two months. After that, I guessed. No, you did. There's no way. It yeah. had. There had to have been some. The the odds of that happening are impo- are are astronomical. There had to have been. <laughs> it some... happened here. You saw it here on on or you heard it here on or whatever movies. Uh, no, there had to have been some audible imprint or memory that you were drawing from. Had to. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> it was a total guess. You see, my thing is, I just don't have space in my mind for this kind of information. Like, do you carve out a special place in your brain for random, completely useless trivia? It's bugging me that I'm on record as getting the 160 IQ wrong, considering I just rewatched Forrest Gump. Yeah, you're 10, 10 points off, Wes, for reals. That's like the difference of getting into school and not. Do you know what your IQ is? Nope, never going to guess. It, it, I think it really messes with people. To like place you, to give you a number in the pecking order, bugs the hell out of me. Even as a kid, I was like, I have no idea, don't want to know. I, see, I think you're with dad on this, who always found it distasteful that one of his ex-girlfriends yep. was all consumed with like Mensa and stuff. Yeah. Whereas I don't, I don't necessarily agree. I've always been curious to know my own IQ. I don't think it would change necessarily the way I feel, <laughs> feel about myself or other people. But isn't it interesting that you could quantify intelligence or or I don't know actually what does intelligence quotient 
really quantify. Right. But there's definitely a difference between intelligence and book learning or even intelligence and common sense. Just be able to learn from your mistakes, draw from your experiences, try to keep yourself from doing anything stupid, like getting yourself killed. Even Forrest Gump can do that. <laughs> and so much more. Do you think that Forrest Gump's success, what do you attribute Forrest Gump's success to? Just, I guess, perseverance. And I mean, yes, does Forrest adhere to conventional values? Absolutely. Is he just about love and family and, and, and forgiveness and, and, and ultimate happiness and, and doing the right thing by giving Bubba, even though Lieutenant Dan said he was crazy, giving Bubba's mother his money, his share? Forrest was never evil, and when evil happened to him, he just kind of removed himself from himself from that situ those situations by killing them. And Jenny came, and she was all toxic, and he was like, no, you're dead on a Tuesday, Saturday morning. Oh, so sad. When he meets little Haley Joel Osment, yep. Forrest Jr., for the first time, I dare you to tell me that you didn't cry. I haven't cried in a movie in decades, man. Um, no, I, I didn't cry. I, <laughs> it's diffused by the laugh because I remember the moment and I saw Forrest Gump multiple times in the theaters. Everybody knows. And I, I named him Forrest and he's got, I'm like me. And everyone's like, <laughs> he's got a, oh, he's got a got daddy, daddy named Forrest. Forrest too. <laughs> Forrest too. And Aww. like, and so, and everybody laugh, laughs at that moment, which breaks up the crying, you know, but, uh, that's what I remember. I mean, Forrest's childlike approach to life seems to be some kind of recipe for success. I mean, he lives a life full of tragedy and confusion and hurt and pain and loses multiple people. He just, but they're, it's not by his design. He just tries to do the right thing, I, I maintain. I mean, he and Jenny, I think, do have a real connection, right? That they find something in their outsider outsideriness. Um, yep. So I, I thought about this. And obviously he's not like, the baby killer that Wesley proclaims him to be or anything. And, and, Ooh, but still the West, for, the, the dirty Wesley character in Forrest Gump. Yeah. The worst Wesley that I've ever, that, that's ever been portrayed on film. I mean, he wasn't like Hitler or anything, but he had a distinctly Hitler vibe, right? <laughs> he kind of did. And he slaps her in the thing, which is just like, okay, he's decidedly in the bad camp. Yeah, I like that moment. I like, <laughs> it sounds terrible to say, but he slaps her and time slows. And by the time, you know, before Jenny, like her head rocks back, Forrest is already in motion. Yeah. And he's going to like tackle that dude over the table. So yeah. time slows down and you cut to Forrest and he's already halfway across the room. Oh, he was tracking that from the moment they went into that little corner. Forrest always hyper vigilant. Right. It's like hitting you is bad. And then when Wesley shows up in the picture, instead of again, instead of hitting him again, he just gives him that little kid dirty look like there's nothing you can do, but you can give the dude the stink eye. It's just so innocent. I don't know. So a, a lot of this stuff, the, the things that Forrest goes through are, you know, are horrible and everything. But like I said, he's not he doesn't have a, a political agenda or really even a personal agenda other than taking care of Jenny. But most of the things that I see talk about how horrible Jenny is to Forrest. And there are definitely things that she does that hurts him. But I'm going to argue that Jenny isn't isn't a malicious person because she tells him multiple times, we're too different. You don't know what love means. Stay away from me, Forrest. Keeps trying to distance herself. And then when she's sick, then she kind of 
breaks down and goes back to the person that loves her and apologizes for all the things I did to you. I was really messed up and now it's too late for me to really turn it around. But she does love him and stuff. And it's just she was a product of a terrible childhood and she was a part of the counterculture for decades. And she found her way not trying to infect Forrest, who kept, you know, literally, but he kept seeking her out and putting himself in her drama. And so while she was troubled and, dare I say, damaged, it's not like she was looking to ruin Forrest's life. Yeah, you're right. She told him to stay away. It did rub me a little wrong that she turned to him when she when she needed him because, you know, Forrest had oh, yeah. needs that she clearly denied, you know, for a, for a long time. But you also kind of can't fault her for it. And I think it came out of maturity more than it came out of manipulation or or using forest like she I agree. had already found a rhythm caring for her son and being a responsible mom and having a clean apartment and taking care of business right in absence of him for like five years yeah okay so i think we've talked a lot around tom hanks does tom hanks make this movie or does the credit go to robert zemeckis Robert Zemeckis isn't the heart of this movie. I think Tom Hanks definitely is in his sweet portrayal. It's what makes Tom Hanks the man. This is undoubtedly the pinnacle of his popularity. Uh, this was a year after he won the award for the Oscar for Philadelphia and then won it again for Forrest Gump and went on to have a major string of hits in the 90s. But Robert Zemeckis will always have my heart because he directed Back to the Future. And I think that he was a great choice to direct Forrest Gump. But the movie inherently has its problems structurally, uh, you know, uh, practically how one dude can have such a, a lasting impact on the world. And at the time, these special effects were astounding. And, he, and Robert Zemeckis is the king of this tech forward kind of vibe where they're in, implementing archival footage and inserting him, uh, you know, in film reels throughout history. But Tom Hanks is lovable and innocent, and this is, obviously, Forrest is the embodiment of the everyman. He's a character unique unto himself, but he blends in throughout history, and nobody seems to remember him. Nobody on the park bench is like, you are Bubba, I've seen like you as the head of the Bubba Gump Shrimp Corporation, or I remember you running. Jenny's got like the scrapbooks, but nobody recognizes him. Forrest is part of the counterculture as well. He kind of blunders through life, but he finds himself in all these cultural moments, but isn't the baby killer that Wesley portrays him to be. And yet this movie has come to typify American culture, like primary culture. Forrest Gump is an all-American type hero dude, and that's not who he was in the movie. It's very, it's strange that I wonder if he's embraced by Southern culture or if it's like the the stereotypical Southerners are dumb kind of thing. I'm not really sure. Hmm. But uh, I definitely think it, it a lot of it, most of it rests on Tom Hanks's shoulders for me because Tom Hanks is the man. And as a matter of fact, Jenny, her biggest flaw is that Robin Wright couldn't pull her off convincingly enough to land an Oscar nomination. Otherwise, this movie would have been a full sweep. Best picture, best director, best screenplay, best, best actor. Best writer. Oh, no, best editing. Not right? Not, but not best special effects, but not best actress. Mm. That was Jenny's biggest flaw. Oh, she didn't even get a, a nod. Nope. 
I thought she did great. I thought she was a great Jenny. Oh, she was good because she definitely wasn't the conventional love interest, right? Definitely not. I mean, Tom Hanks said that this movie defies movie conventions. There's no bad guy. It's just the goodness of Forrest stumbling through life. And it's this incredibly epic tale spanning decades in a way that the same screenwriter tried to do later with the curious case of Benjamin Button that just fell a little bit more flat. It's weird because Forrest Gump, it feels like a movie for kids, even though it was distinctly and decidedly for adults. But as a young kid seeing this movie, like you, I was like, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. That's amazing. Or whatever. It dates kind of weird. And people complain that this was the Shakespeare in love to the vastly superior Saving Private Ryan that took it away from Pulp Fiction. Forrest Gump and Pulp Fiction in the same year, and Tarantino got robbed across the board by this movie, which he confesses he really likes. And did Pulp Fiction contribute more to the art of cinema than Forrest Gump? I think it did, because I think it holds up better, but it's just not as flashy. And Forrest Gump, for all its measuredness and subtle effects, is a very flashy American movie. Well, it's an epic, right? It's sprawling multiple generations and a very beloved character. But I think that Forrest Gump treads a very fine line or Forrest Gump defines the difference between cutesy and charming. This movie is decidedly charming and the things that get a little clever or cutesy, I think we, you know, accept because of its utter vast charm. Is there a movie that's any more Americana than Forrest Gump? Let me tell you, I listened to the Forrest Gump soundtrack on repeat driving across America. And it was huh. a very, very validating experience. Nice. And it was in 1997 or so. It was an awesome experience to listen to. It doubles, double disc, you know, movie soundtrack, including score. It was epic. But why did you want to review Forrest Gump? I'll tell you why. Because you can't get away from Forrest Gump. You can hate it because of its, you know, problems now and or you can hate Jenny or, or whatever. And it does feel a little bit dated in places. Now to look at their mouths, LBJ and JFK and John Lennon, like it's done better in commercials, like Super Bowl commercials now. Hmm. But it was great for the time. And at the time, it was a very immersive film experience, and I will forever be grateful to Robert Zemeckis. But you know what? It's the adult connection of Forrest Gump in critically assessing a movie that was pretty impactful. I was a little bit old. I wasn't quite Forrest's age uh, for this movie to, to you know, uh, influence my childhood. I was like 17 years old. But it was a lot. And I watched Forrest Gump countless times. And then in adulthood, things start to connect. I'm like, oh, he wasn't saying Meat Kong. He was saying Meat Kong. <laughs> and it wasn't until a, a, a few months ago that I came to the realization that Kelly Ray plucked out of the blue while we were watching it. She's like, that dude in the American flag shirt, that's, what's his name, right? And I was like, yes, it is. Because I found through random trivia that that dude in the American shirt, when he's speaking in front of the reflection pool at the monument, gonna, is who? I was going to ask, I was going to ask you about this. Yep. Who is it? I don't know. Prominent cultural American figure, especially in the counterculture and the uh, 
you know, activism community, that was Abby Hoffman, played by Sasha Baron Cohen in the trial of the Chicago Seven. And for my entire life, he was just like, right on, man. That's the way to go, man. And he's got his American shirt. And all of these people, it, it made me realize how thoroughly Forrest Gump was researched. And yes, he's an idiot. And he has no idea who that nice young man in the American shirt was. But we do now, or I do now, because I have more basis. Every day you learn. So I think this movie was very carefully thought out. And while a lot of it is told through Forrest's perspective, it does have a lot of historical basis. Did you know that Forrest Gump is often used by professors, history professors, English professors, as an example of uh, American history in popular culture. Like you can go through this movie and use it as a jumping off point to talk about historical events, the Vietnam War and protests and, and Martin Luther King, in which he met in, in a deleted scene and all this stuff. And so culturally adjacent, no, no movie more so than Forrest Gump. Yeah, I mean, culturally entangled, like interwoven. Yep. They took, they paint, it sounds like they really painstakingly, even more than I realized, wove the story of this all-American imbecile. It's kind of funny that you have to make such a good-hearted and innocent, innocent person imbecilic in order to not make him, to make him read as being authentic, but... You know, they, they, they take this basically personification of innocence, love, and the American dream, weave it into American history, and then deliver it to us in a really entertaining way. I mean, I guess when you look at it that way, Forrest Gump, 1994, six-plus six Oscar winner, kind of a deserving achievement. No, I mean, for the time, definitely it hit all the right notes. And Pulp Fiction was just a little bit too much of an upstart. But, you know, I you know, I can see the rounded perspective. I can see both sides. To answer your question, that is exactly why. I was like, wait, that dude, because we were like Forrest Gump. We were like, who is, I don't know, he's like a random protester in American sh shirt. And then after we reviewed the trial of the Chicago 7, we have more of a basis for Abby Hoffman. And this is all to say that I'm sure that I got most of my American, my sense of history from movies like Forrest Gump, where we're playing in a historic period. And that kind of invites you to learn more about the actual events as they happened. Right. But movies are a, a great jumping off point. And that is literally why I was like, holy crap, Abby Hoffman was in Forrest Gump. And I had no idea until last year we should review Forrest Gump. An hour discussion of Trial of the Chicago 7, available now at orwhatevermovies.com. So, Wes, your final rating on Forrest Gump. To hate on this movie, I think you got something else going on. Even Kelly Ray was like, I don't want to watch Forrest Gump. I guess I'll just go in the bedroom or whatever. And I was like, well, I'm putting it on. And she put it on, and I put it on, and then she, <laughs> within three minutes, put her phone down and watched the whole thing. Um, so for, for nostalgia, for just general, no matter how you cut it, I, I didn't expect to be uh, enthralled all the way through, but you put down whatever you're doing and you watch Forrest Gump because it's just a wonderful movie experience. Got to give it a totally just the way I feel. There's no more totally movie just for the it's the ultimate background movie that will draw you in. Make you put down what you're doing and watch it totally for Forrest Gump. I hear what you're saying, too, because I started Forrest Gump pretty late in the night knowing, hey, I've seen Forrest Gump a number of times. It's I'll, I'll watch a little bit before I fall asleep and then, you know, I can pick it up wherever I've seen it enough. And, you know, 15 minutes in when I expected to be falling asleep, I was completely engaged, gripped even, watched the full two hour and 22 minute movie way past my bedtime because 
I was just engrossed. Like there's many, many movies that has, have taken me multiple nights to, to get through, right? And this movie, which I've seen at least a dozen times, held my attention for a solid two hours and 22 minutes in the middle of the night. Pretty impressive. All right, well, there you've got it. A totally from West for Forrest Gump. It's an obvious good from Iris. That's our discussion on Forrest Gump, available now on Netflix. Check out our other reviews at orwhatevermovies.com or wherever you got this podcast. We hope you enjoyed this discussion on Forrest Gump and... <laughs> so bye-bye, Jenny. They sending me <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> It's this whole other country. Uh. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.